Hey everyone, before we start the show, I wanted to let you know that this episode is exclusively brought to you by Audible, the leading provider of audiobooks on the internet. 100 Words listeners can get a free book, absolutely free, and get an extended free trial. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash 100 words, audiblepodcast.com slash 100 words, and get a free book. Here's the show. This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. Here we are, beautiful day in Southern California, and I am bringing you another action-packed or maybe just conversationally packed episode. I've gotten a few emails recently. For those of you that lose the irony of the name of the show, some people are like, hey, there's clearly more than 100 words in this show, hence the joke. I explained it for you. Hopefully, there will be no more questions, which of course there will be. Anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Jordan Pudnick. Pudnick? Again, I never ask guests to pronounce their name for me that I'll get this right. But anyways, he is the vocalist for a band called Newfound Glory, which most of you have probably heard in some capacity if you have been paying attention to independent music because they are a mainstay. They've been around for quite some time. It's even funnier because Jordan married one of my close friends in high school. So it's just, it just, it's such a small world. Anyways, more on him in a minute. Let's get some business stuff out of the way. Review the show, pop on to the iTunes store, type in some sentences about the show if you're feeling generous and then also drop some stars that stuff is very very meaningful and i know i'm asking you to do a lot for the show recently but uh you know things are picking up and i i want to make this legit i want to make this awesome pop on to the website as well 100wordspodcast.com you can email the show 100wordspodcast at gmail.com i've gotten some good advice in regards to potentially changing up the song so we'll see i'm kind of tinkering around with the idea yeah, so that's that's the business. And then, of course, you'll, you'll hear some more about Audible later on. Oh, I'm so excited that they're on board. Anyways, I've been doing a lot of weird stuff recently. I know previous episodes I've mentioned that I'm doing like an MMA class, which is totally out of my comfort zone. I did rock climbing the other day, like indoor rock climbing. And for a person who is scared of heights, let me tell you, don't do that. <laughs> but it was cool because I was able to conquer one wall and feel like I had done something pretty monumental because I was pretty high up. So the first wall that I tried to scale was a, uh, I think they call it a level 10 wall, and it was so high up. Like, I got three quarters of the way up, and then that's when I felt like I was having a panic attack, because I looked down and just started to comprehend how high I was. And of course, I'm safe, because I have a rope around me, I could fall, and nothing is going to happen to me. But it's that that inherent fear of heights. So I backed off of that and went down and then decided to tackle something a little more uh, doable for me, which was a level six, I guess, which is pretty much like the beginner. And so I did that and I was like, yeah, I accomplished that. So it sounds so cliche, but the whole like facing your fear thing, I'd never really experienced that. I had done things that, you know, I may define as scary in my life, but I'm not a daredevil type of dude or I'm not a, you know, extreme individual so like confronting something like a fear of heights and being able to conquer it, and I wouldn't even say I conquered it because it's a work in progress, but it was very interesting. I don't know. I just, I, I had to get that out there to all of you fine folk because, uh, yeah, you know, I, I feel like we're hanging out. So I want you to know a little bit about me as we go through this awesome journey. So anyways, Jordan from Newfound Glory. I went down to his house in Oceanside and we sat in his backyard and had a nice little conversation for just over an hour. It was great. I mean, Jordan out of, well, I was going to say out of all the members, but you know, I know Chad the best. And then Jordan was kind of, you know, he was on the periphery. And so Jordan, especially just because as I mentioned in the intro, he is married to one of my best friends in high school. You know, I, I was so perplexed by that for one. And then even more interested in him as a person. So it was a great chat and he just opened up and I felt like he talked about a lot of things that he typically doesn't talk about in interviews. So, you know, and that's kind of why you come here. Without further ado, here's Jordan and I'll talk to you afterwards.
I know. Do you even review? Do you even view yourself as a musician in that? No. That? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say. <laughs> I mean, I just like music. Right. And I started the band. Honestly, we started the band as like, well, we'll probably talk about this later. But yeah, yeah. we started the band for fun. Like, it right, was a of fun course. thing. Right. We're all hard. We are all kids in heart and and loved hardcore. We went to Shyloot shows. And that's when we met Chad. And, right, right, right. And then we were like, it would be fun to just have a pop punk band because it was easy. Of course. And fun to just jump around and stuff. Right. So, so that's how it started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like I don't really consider myself like yeah, you know, this uh, minor chord that uh, I'm trying to whatever. Like, right. You're like I don't even know where to begin with that. Yeah. So anytime anybody like obviously when you travel internationally and you have to write down your profession where you're just like you know you even if you are in a full-time band and like that is what you do like i know most of my friends that are like they was like i guess i'll write musician like i don't know yeah i have to when we do like car stuff or whatever like right. all this house crap like it was all i had to put that stuff down and it kind of like i'm sure they're thinking like musician yeah yeah look at this guy yeah what do, you, what do you play at the Boards Crossing in Carlsbad on Thursday nights? <laughs> totally. Sweet cover band, dude. Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what do you do? Kiss? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, but I remember I remember seeing you guys probably one of your first times out to Southern California where you guys played, I think you were with Midtown at Coos Cafe in Santa Ana. Yeah. I think that may have been uh-huh. your first or second time. I, actually, that was I think that was your second. that sec- place still around? No. It's a bummer because that place was amazing. Yeah. But I think it might have been your second time because I think you did, you guys randomly did like a quote-unquote showcase at the troubadour or something yeah. like that mm-hmm. I, I just remember because i was so on board and now when i say was like past tense i am was <laughs> i currently am yeah. but i remember a friend of mine showing me the you know fiddler records ep and just being like like this is awesome and like this is fun like it's you know it's hardcore kids playing like pop punk yeah and it was kind of at, obviously at that time that wasn't i wasn't widely spread it was just kind of like oh yeah. Larger bands play pop punk, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember going to that show, and you could have played, obviously, you know, Gorilla Biscuits or Youth of Day or anything else, like in the background, and not have your music playing. And you guys, for all intent and purposes, <laughs> were a hardcore band. And it was it was one of those things where it was like, I know that kids that like came to see specifically like Midtown like didn't know what to do with you guys. Yeah, they're just kind of like. Oh, these guys, like, oh, these guys are pretty active. Like, <laughs> did you guys have that impression initially, where it's like people were kind of like. Like that, that I wouldn't say disconnect, but people looked at you kind of like, well, these guys are like, you know, yeah. like, they're passing the mic. Like, yeah. what, what is all that? We started to, little, like, I guess, quote unquote, like, break out right. of our small scene of like, I mean, because when we first started, we were we were the band that, we were like the pop punk band that was like on tour with Grade and Snapcase and like those right. bands. Like, for some reason, they just embraced us. And it was probably because of Chad. Right, of and course. And his whole association. But, but even still, and then when we started to like play for more, like, you know, play with bands like Midtown and like the more of that world. Sure. Of, of bands like it was, it definitely people were kind of didn't know, didn't, didn't know, know exactly. What to do. Right. Because so. I, that I, I do feel like that was around the time where it was like, even still, sometimes. sure, right. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and at this point, you people, you, people should have a pretty basic understanding of what they should expect at a new phone glory show. Yeah. Even if you're like you're 14, you're just getting into, it, you'd be like, oh, like yeah. there's, there's a plenty of videos on YouTube, like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you yourself, you were born and raised in the East Coast, right? Where, where specifically? Um, I was born in Jersey. Where in Jersey? In, I was born in Englewood, New Jersey. Okay, that's is, like northern Jersey, right? No? Yeah. Okay. Most Floridians are from Jersey. Right. Why is that? Because <laughs> <laughs> they like want to retire in old school, like New Yorkers, New Jerseyites. Right. Retire the whole and, snowbird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my uh, parents moved down to Florida when I was like, Maybe four or five. Okay. So I lived most of my life in Florida, but then, but then I moved to San Diego in like 2000. Okay. Sure. What did uh, what was your family structure like as you were growing up? Because you have brothers and sisters as well, right? Yeah, one younger brother and sister. Okay. And your uh, why? Why did your parents move from Jersey to Florida? Besides, I think think work specifically. Okay. um, What did your parents do? My dad was like uh, he did art like uh, design like art. Okay. You know, for ad stuff. Ad agencies and stuff like yeah. that? Oh, okay. For a while. And I, you know, I guess he did pretty well with, with that. But my grandparents, his parents had a a um, fabric store. Oh, okay. A big fabric store in Miami. Oh, wow. So, like, they were pretty well-to-do mm-hmm. at the time. Sure. And I was, you know, from the stories I hear and the pictures I see. Right, right. Yeah, the, sto- the stories and you're like, told. You're like, from yeah, what I understand. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, but that, and so we came, my dad, you know, came to help with this, with that, and but also oh. do the ad stuff. Okay. So and then the business went under. Your dad's ad agency or the, or the, the textile, the textile. Oh, okay. Place. Got it. And, but yeah, we we ended up staying in Florida. Got it. 
And so that's that was, and that's at the age too, where it's like you had, you probably have no memories of Jersey in no. regards to, yeah. <laughs> Just from photos. Right. I mean, there's, there's a really cool photo I have of me and my mom and I'm in a stroller and uh-huh. she looks all like seventies and yeah. there's a big, there's like a whole wall of posters of like Bob Dylan show. Oh, it's that's like $10, <laughs> like whatever. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Even though amazing. I'm not that big of a Dylan fan, but it's just cool to, of course. to see that, you know, well, it's always where fun- it was. Right. And it's always funny too, especially when you're a teenager and in your twenties, you know, you never view your parents as having a life. Yeah. You just view them as like, oh, these people have taken care of me. Yeah. But then when you see those snippets of just like, oh man, like they did stuff before I was around. Like it was just kind of, it opens your head up towards like, oh, yeah, that's weird. We, me and Mandy talk about that now all the time. We're like, remember when we were kids and like you heard your parents, like after you went to bed and you heard your parents were up, you know, in the kitchen or whatever. Like, yeah. That's us now. Totally. And like, you know, with us having kids and it's just, it's so, it's so weird. It is weird because I think, especially if this generation, when I, I say feel this, like a dad. Right. <laughs> and this is something I was going to hit on later, but it's like I, the generation that we are, because you're what, 35-ish? 34. 34, okay, yeah, I'm 33. And so the generation that we came from, in my opinion, like we were afforded the fact of like, dream big, do whatever you want. Yeah. Whereas like our parents, were, they were, you know, not, and this I'm generalizing, but they had to be like, you got to do this trade. You got to learn how yeah. to do something. Whereas like we're encouraged we like to kind of you know do whatever we want like find something you're interested in you're passionate about yeah. where i don't think our parents were afforded that mm. so i think that gives us this weird ability to not properly contextualize what it's like to, it's like oh parents like yeah like i know what i'm supposed to do but then it's like i don't feel like i don't feel like that yeah whereas i mean maybe our parents went through that same sort of like you know, I, I wouldn't even say identity crisis, but just like that shifting. I just feel like it's such a yeah, weird they, thing. They had to have. I yeah, mean, they had to have gone through it because, you know, from from what I hear, like right. stories about what my parent, you know, my parent, my mom was all crazy and going to Who concert and this and that and like, so you know, yeah, it's like the same thing. But uh, but but all my memories of them are like these, these figures in my life that molded me to who I am and like, you know. Totally. We're dis- disciplining me all the time. And, right. And I'm like, I'm never going to be like that. I'm of course. Like, you know, obviously we discipline our k- kids, but... Right. We try to... I don't know, still... I just want to be his bro. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds stupid. No, it doesn't sound stupid. But it's at not all. gonna be like that. I mean no. it will be to an extent, but Yeah. There's definitely yeah, there's there's like d- completely different levels of like intention. And I think I I definitely don't think that our parents probably had the same sort of feelings that like like that whole like like man like I just want to be friends with them for as long as I possibly can. Yeah. Whereas the parents are like, well, no, like this is you know this was the way that we were raised, so we're learning from that. And, yeah. I don't know. It's such a weird, it's just a weird generational thing. Like especially I think between our parents' generation and our generation of just like how that all sits with us. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, a lot of people also have kids later in life rather than like you know some yeah. of our parents. There's like oh in their early twenties, they're just like that's what they did because that was what. You know, that that was what was accepted in the general culture or whatever. I don't know. So, but did your mom work or did she just basically take care of you guys? She, yeah, the, both my parents worked. Okay. What did your mom do? She worked for um, a doctor for a long time. Okay. And then she worked in um, the OR for a long time. Oh, wow. As okay. A, as an assistant. Sure. Know, nurse assistant. Like in the, in the medical field? Assistant. Yeah. Sure, sure. And, and so she did that for a long time until I was... You know, in my in my teens. Sure. And then after that, she kind of started just doing at home stuff and yeah. mom stuff. Sure, sure. Um, and then, but the whole the whole time of uh, as you were being raised, and your your dad also was just basically doing ad agency stuff still. Yeah. Like sort of. Okay. Well, he he was. We moved out. We moved around a lot. Sure. Also, um, but my dad, he was doing that stuff when I was younger, and then as he got older, he started to have his hand in other things. Like, sure. Uh, he was doing, uh, what's it called? It's like leadership seminar thing. Oh, sure, like sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The landmark forum. Of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Kind of totally. Yeah, yeah. I the. Uh, and I was forced to go to that stuff really? when I was like sixteen and like trying to like, you know. Yeah. What's my racket? Right, right, <laughs> dude. It's so funny because I I had a uh, I didn't actually go to any of those, but uh, the label I used to work for, Century Media my boss there was he was super into that and he was he was getting a lot of like his the higher level employees to do it yeah but it was like right as he was getting super into it i left and so but i, I a lot of my friends did that and they were yeah. 
it's so it, it, like he was I mean, a coach for a while, and he still does coaching now. Yeah, that's what he does. it's. I mean, it sounds like it, obviously that experience didn't speak to you. You weren't like I'm well, signing up for this. Yeah, I mean, I was like a teenager, like just I did meet some really, and they're still my good friends. Sure, um, a, a couple of girls that their parents were friends with my dad, and okay, they all sent them to to the same thing, and we sure. were, it was like the four of us, like. So we were, you know, yeah, you it was were, going on, but we were all hanging out talking about Green Day and stuff. Like <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> you were like, "We're not committed to this. <laughs> yeah. Like this is, yeah, no offense to you, Dad, or right. sixteen, like, <laughs> yeah." And, and, and anytime your parents are going to introduce you to something that it's like, "Oh, dude, this is no, this doesn't I mean, interest me at all." Trapping 15, 15 years old, right? And it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You're sitting there from morning till evening, right? With like maybe two breaks, and it's like this whole thing, so, right? Yeah. That's, just, yeah, that's it's interesting that you experienced that, and obviously it was not very many people. I think I got maybe. I mean, I'm sure I got some things out of it. Right, you know? right, right, right. But, yeah, but as as I would say, you didn't apply yourself. No, <laughs> I wasn't the guy the guy standing up and like talking about my my whole life, and then you know crying because I just had an epiphany of like, oh, right. that's why I'm this way. Totally, like totally. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, know. Well, I mean, I think it's, I'm still trying to figure out why I'm the way I am. So. <laughs> well, it's a it's a, it's a constant work in progress. Mm-hmm. The whole landmark stuff, like, because not many people, especially like in the teenage years, get to have that sort of like immersive experience. Like, you know, I mean, whatever it can be, like, you know, like whatever basketball camp or something yeah. where it's like they're spending the night. But it's like sometimes it's like it it really you know it challenges you in ways that you're probably like, oh, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. Like, I'm 15. I like, think maybe if I went now, I'd maybe get more out of it. Obviously, sure. Yeah, yeah. Adult yeah. with kids and stuff, but right. Yeah. I don't know if I want to sit there for a whole weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, and so, and your your siblings are older, or you were you're yeah, you, younger. Okay, so you're the oldest. You're the the trailblazer, as it were. Yeah, my sister is close to my age. She's thirty, I think. Okay. My brother is twenty five. Okay. Twenty four. Got it. I can't remember. I'm not <clears throat> with that. No, it's ages are always tough. Yeah. You're just like as long as you're within 25. two years. Yeah. As long as you're in two years, you're fine. No yeah. one's gonna be mad at that. My brother was out here. He moved to Florida for for work stuff. Okay. And he's coming back. In April, I think, moving back. Got and it. And he has two kids. And my sister has a kid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's got kids now in your family. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure your parents are stoked. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And your parents did, like, how did you, did you find the way that you were raised, like, pretty, you know, idyllic as far as, like, you know, did you, did, like, did your parents fight? Like, did you have any sort of, like, you know, they, turmoil they, from that perspective? They definitely fought. Um, yeah. I mean, I, as I, in most relationships. Yeah. You, I remember some pretty big fights. You they're know. still together, though? No. Okay. But um, for the most part, like we had, we were always everything was always circled around family, like especially on holidays and right. religious holidays and things like that. And were your parents religious as well? Like, no, did they have very... just on the holidays. Okay, right. Jewish on the holidays. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's true. I guess being from Jersey, like you have no choice but to have some sort of Jewish yeah. <laughs> traditions from that perspective. Yeah. yeah, and we were always at. We were always either at like one, my dad has two sisters okay my mom has a sister so we we're always at like the aunt's house or, right you know everyone together pretty so. big family then obviously yeah. did uh, cousins everything did uh so when were your parents divorced probably 2004 okay so this is like basically every kid was out of the house yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i was already out here right living out here and stuff and for a few years and so, yeah. Because I mean, my parents were divorced when I was—I mean, I was three or four. So obviously, oh. I'd like you know, like you in New Jersey, you just have these told experiences. Yeah. Did it affect you, like from the you know, um, like your parents being like, "Oh wow." I don't think if I was talking to like a psychologist, I'd probably be like, "Hmm." Yeah. But I, I don't think so. Right, right, right. You know, I think I was more upset of like, of you know, I was more upset of how it happened. Sure. Than anything, like more upset at my parents for letting it get to that point, or or like not talking things through, or like. Sure. Whatever. Well, I mean, partially, couldn't help. My my dad is gay. Oh, okay. So that came out, and oh, but wow. it was this thing. That yeah, was, yeah. It was an ongoing thing for a long time. Sure, sure. My mom suspected, but he didn't say anything about it. So right. I was kind of upset at the fact that he didn't talk about it sooner. Of course, you know. Yeah, like he could have he could have addressed it earlier in his life to be able to yeah. you know like figure out what that meant. And I totally get like you know, being a father and being having kids and like. You know that pressure's on you. Immediately. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure, especially that generation. Totally. So I, I kind of get it, but at the same, you know. Yeah. It's just like this constant. Totally, totally. So that I mean, but. that that's a that's a huge thing to obviously have unveiled and like have like. Did you have? I wouldn't even say like suspicions, but did you have? Did you have any feelings towards yeah, that? You're yeah. just kind of like oh. I was kind of whatever about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, my I was like upset with how my mom. You know, obviously my mom was pretty upset and everything. Of course. So that upset me, but. 
But as far as like him coming out, like that doesn't really. Right. I don't care. It's like, you know, twenty first century. Right. Of course. Yeah. 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 You. The, the, I almost said twentieth century. <laughs> yeah, it's the twentieth century. I love you know? movies so much. Twentieth <laughs> century. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so like it wasn't, and I was already on tour and like living out here on my own and right experiencing those things. So yeah, you know, I was around that a lot. Sure. So. Did you find yourself? Did you find yourself having to be? A support for your mom or a support for your dad or kind of like kind both? Of, kind of both and not really knowing how to... Because it was like this big separation from, on both of our sides of the family too. And sure. Stuff. And, and it sucked having to be in the middle sometimes because, you know, they would always be like, your father's doing this or your mother's doing that. Or of whatever. course. And I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Just like, let's just, you know. Right. You guys have figured out. Sure, sure. Adults. Well, yeah, I mean, it's and it's a lot. No matter how old you are, it's a lot to put on you, especially when it's like... Because they're, you know, essentially, the, I mean, obviously the relationship that they had was clearly dissolved, but it's just like, it's both of them figuring out where they sit in the world now. Yeah. And then they're having to put all that insecurities on their children and sure. be like, like, I don't know where to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, are they, are they both in better places now? Or are they still kind of in works in progress as, um, you, they're as both, you feel? I, they're definitely both in better places for sure. That's good. Uh, my mom has, my mom was remarried mm-hmm. a couple of years later and. My dad's been with the same person for a long time, too, since then. Yeah, know. yeah, sure. So, you know, they're both doing good. They're both back in... My dad was in Tampa for a while. Uh-huh. Um, he just recently moved back to South Florida. Okay. Going back to Miami. Sure, sure. So all that for him is cool because he's back near his parents and... Of course. His sisters and stuff. Right, the support system. But... My my sister and brother and everything. Right, right, right. That's cool. Well, that's... I mean, yeah, it's, it's a traumatic experience, but, I mean... Ultimately, it obviously gives you, you know, you and your family a perspective that you normally never would have had. Like, yeah. you would have just, you know, you would have heard about it like a story of a story and been like, oh, that's a, that seems rough. Yeah. And it's like, whether or not you felt like you handled it appropriately, like, at least I know, like, I know what I've gone through yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Once you started to kind of, you know, develop into your own person, like, you know, high school and all that sort of stuff, what sort of kid did you find yourself being? Like, you know, sports, music, like, how did that all kind of... I was of... in marching band. Really? For a long time, Yeah. What, playing what so, instrument? or playing a tuba, sousaphone. Oh, dude, that's brutal. Yeah, it was super brutal. Like, band cam and stuff sucks. Yeah, you have the most heaviest, biggest yeah. piece of equipment that is, I mean, I have no, I've never been in a market for tuba, but I presume it's expensive. Uh, it was, you know, you got Oh, that's cool. true, You're, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I never had to, I had, like, mine from class, you know, from right. class. And just your own mouthpiece, obviously, yeah, right? Yeah, my yeah. own mouthpiece, I had to buy. <laughs> of course. I played clarinet for a year, so yeah. I know we, we always had our, I mean, uh-huh. my mom, had a clarinet, so I had no choice, but she was just like, oh, here, I'll give this to you. But not even, like, I have asthma, and she's giving me a wind instrument, and I'm just like, what are you doing, like, in retrospect, but yeah. So anyway, I, I, was, I always know the the reed and the mouthpieces are always obviously such a yeah. know, big deal. Like, oh, you're going to have your own. Like, that's disgusting. <laughs> so tuba, how many years did you play that? From, like, sixth grade till, like, right before I was junior year. Okay. And did you, did you enjoy it at all? <laughs> Um, elements of yeah, it. Yeah, I sure. enjoyed elements of it. I, yeah. I got some cool, you know, some good friends out of it and stuff. Sure. No, ones that I haven't talked, spoke to in a long time, but, you know, we're like Facebook friends. Of know? course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> Facebook, uh, the way that I describe it, and I think it's just, a, I just, it's very apropos of that social network, it is, it's friend cold storage. Yeah. Where it's like, you put people there, and you're just like, you occasionally like, oh, oh, yeah. that's, that's what's happening. Yeah. Cool. You seem like you're doing all right. You haven't deleted your account. Like, yeah. that's when I know I'm like, oh. You're making a statement when you're doing that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you're okay. You you have it's your bank account friends. Though. Yeah, of course. And my, my for me, my Facebook is for just close friends. You know, friend not mostly close friends and family. Of course. And then there's course. like the yeah yeah. Then there's the different friends. levels where it's yeah. like okay here yeah here's my public my my, my public things that I can share. Yeah. Um, and so the uh, so yeah, band camp. Like, did you do sports? Like, what uh, what played, else? Did you... No, I pl- I mean, I played soccer for a little bit. Yeah, like every preteen, of does. course. Um, or that or baseball, or something. right? Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, some some sport. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and then but but it was mostly like my through middle school and on. Was, yeah, was, was banned. Was banned, and it, was that through the influence of your parents that they were like, "You should do something like this," or you, you know, just kind I, of? I think it was. I was in. How it started? I was in sixth grade, and I had, we. It was band class was a class you had to take, right? And so I remember Mr. Williams, and he was seven feet tall. He looked like Michael Jordan, bald head and everything. Wow! And uh, 
he was going around the room first day and he's like asking everybody what they what they think they want to play okay and for some reason he comes to me and he looks at me and he goes tuba and I was like okay I wanted to play like the quads or like the drums oh, right yeah yeah, yeah you know right 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 something fun but then it and just stuck with me and <laughs> that's amazing know. that's like that's your he is choosing your destiny yeah. it's like this is what you do. Yeah, it's like Harry Potter and like the 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 sorting the sorting hat, where it's like, oh, here's here's the. Uh, I, I'm pro- I, I probably if I if I didn't get into like punk rock and stuff like that, I would probably I would have probably pursued that right that and you know doing college and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we played the football games and everything. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a like that atmosphere. I mean, it's fun. Like, it's yeah. fun to be a part of because you know it's like you. You know, you you feel like you're part of this like you know weird, uh, well not weird, but like this clique where it's just like oh yeah. like you know we're we're here, we're kind of weird <laughs> like yeah. you know we're totally we're in band weird. camp we're weird, and so band kids are weird totally back back then anyway yeah I mean I, I think yeah I mean I'm sure that that I'm sure that that trope still <laughs> rings yeah. true today as well but yeah so it, but then you're forced upon these like social activities and like yeah. social events that you're just like well I don't think I would go to a football game necessarily yeah. but I'm here but it, it was funny because I honestly like if I didn't get if I wasn't in band I don't think I would have got gotten into the things I got into right because I had that's where I met certain friends that got me into th- that stuff sure into, sure into going to shows and punk and whatever right 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 older kids sure seniors and that, I, that was gonna be my next question because it's always interesting I always find when I've had these discussions with people in regards to like finding out about independent music. It's usually like older brother, older friend, but it's like obviously you couldn't rely on older siblings. You were that older sibling, yeah. and so it's like you—you you, it was just the friends that you were in with Bandcamp that mm-hmm. kind of like you guys all started to yeah. dive into the. What yeah. was it? What was the intro points as far as that's concerned? Um, as far as what, what band, like what it, yeah, like independent music. That's one. I mean, besides like the because obviously I presume that you know grunge was obviously yeah. a huge thing Nirvana for us. Nirvana and of, stuff, right? But then I. Did, was able to dive a little deeper because these friends were into they were into cool cool music so yeah i think the first bands that i started listening to was like dinosaur jr and then from dinosaur jr it was shudder to think and shudder to think into sam i am and sure and so that's what they're all into like i remember my friend rich he would always wear sam i am shirt yeah, yeah. and i was like what is that you know like right sam right am, like green eggs and ham or right, right 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 <laughs> and I got into Sam Lamb because they had that, that you know, they, they had a lot of records on right. Red Archives or Yeah, yeah, new, yeah. New Red Archives. New Red Archives, yeah, yeah. But then they had that major label one, and that's the first one I had gotten into because I was obviously too young for the other stuff. Of but, course, right, right, right. So I got Clumsy and then saw what bands they thanked and looked at those, looked up them, and then sure. my mom loved these, I was gonna say, these your mom, two friends. I was, and I was also going to say, like, your mom obviously also seems to have, like, a love for music as well. Yeah, like, yeah. So, you know. But my mom loved it was Rich and Jer- Rich and Jeremy were okay. two older friends, and they they both had mohawks and like smoked cigarettes and stuff. And like, yeah, yeah, they were edgy. They were edgy, and <laughs> but my mom liked them, and she would let me go hang out with them all the time. And yeah, they would because uh, I presume they were probably like I mean they were probably just super nice to your mom in general because yeah. she seemed cool. Like. Yeah, they were nice, and I remember them taking me to a Queers Pink Lincoln's show for like five bucks. You know, at that's the, amazing whatever venue <laughs> right 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 VFW Hall whatever yeah, yeah. and then that's from, then from there it just you know snowballed into right more I always find it so funny too when it's like the I feel like you know if there's ever a piece of advice that I feel like should have been well not should have been shared to me because I, I feel like I treated my parents with like respect but it's like when you as a teenager like make your life difficult in regards to like you know like whatever either like get absolutely terrible grades and like do all these things like you know have a contentious relationship with your parents you're like you're limiting yourself yeah just be nice like your friends where it's just like dude they may have looked fucking crazy but they could sit there and be like hey you know we're we're cool and that's the thing like i think that's exactly what you're saying like i was to some would consider a mama's boy but i think that I was just respectful of what they wanted from me. Sure. You know? You understood so, where they were coming from. Yeah, yeah as much as you it, could. Because it right? allowed me to do whatever I wanted. For right. For the most part. Right. <laughs> if I came home at, if my mom said be home at midnight or, you know, whatever, 1230, I'd be like, okay, I'd make it a point to try and be there as, right. at, at that time. You right. Know, and some of my friends, there was a couple friends that were like, no, nah, I'm not taking you home yet, you know? Right. Like, Come on, I got to get home. Right. And there was times I would be late and stuff, and they wonder why and whatever but right for the most part i was yeah 
a good kid from good that, kid, yeah. right? Which I mean, it's just I just think I think that affords you more, you know, life experience and opportunities to do fun stuff. Where it's like, oh yeah, because I'm not restricted yeah. <laughs> in all these other areas. Yeah. And so then, as you started to you know dive more into the rabbit hole as far as music is concerned, did you immediately have that like, dude? Like, I gotta play in a band. Like, I think playing in a band yeah. is perfect. Okay. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately. Yeah. And did you, and Especially that kind of music, like, that kind of band. I was like, just the energy and just the, you know, the camaraderie. Right. And stuff. And, and I, I remember going with, we'd go to this, we'd go to shows all the time at this little record store called Echo Records. And it okay. was like, basically like the length of a hallway. Sure. And it was like, this like, skinny little like ratty dude that owned it and he was like but he was always letting people just hang out on the couches in there and uh-huh. talk about punk and stuff and right. it was a a total punk rock in a strip mall total punk rock uh, record store sure we have like one of like you know the yeah. new uh, the new Madonna or whatever yeah, yeah not even it would like it was literally like, have like one like minor threat sweatshirt hanging up oh okay it was like all dusty <laughs> You know, no one would ever buy it, right? No one would ever buy it because it was like an extra small or something. And then, like, you'd have, like, oh, the new Zoinks record came out. Okay. So it'd be like from, like, Doctor Strange Records. And it'd be like, yeah. one. Right. So you'd have to, like, pre order it, like, at the store. Totally. Like, yeah. yeah, tell him, I, I really want this. Can yeah. you please get this in? Yeah. <laughs> Rather than, so like, he would always go to, but he would always clear out everything and he'd uh, have shows, like, no stage or anything. The band would set up at the end of the hallway, kind of, because it was like a rectangle shape. Right. At the back. And that's how I got it. Like, I saw so many cool startup, you know. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Pardon the interruption, people, but I am here to talk to you about Audible. It's an amazing service, and the fact that they've decided to partner up with us, it's even more exciting because they're just like, hey, let's let's work with this podcast. And I'm like, of course, I would love to. They have 150,000 audiobooks of every genre possible, mystery, biographies, science fiction, nonfiction, you name it. There is something that is of interest to you in their library. You can listen to it on your iPhone. You can listen to it on your Kindle. You can listen to it on your computer. You name a device, they have a way for you to listen to it. It's awesome. And it's like, you know, you, most books are between like five to seven hours. So it's great for a road trip. So many awesome things. And here's the best part. I am giving you a free audiobook. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash 100 words and you can get a free book. And when you do that, it supports the show. You can check out this amazing service and Audible goes, hey, we've got a lot of traffic coming here. We might invest a million dollars into this podcast. Let's make it happen. And I want to recommend a book, a book that I have read paperback form, but you don't need to do that. It's called I Want My MTV. It is the uncensored story of how MTV came to be. I mean, most of us that are over the age of 25, realize at some time, hey, MTV actually played music rather than the reality show glut that it's at right now. This is an amazing story of how basically these people had no idea what they were doing and became a phenomenon. It's a really, really compelling story. You can get it for free. Visit audiblepodcast.com backslash 100 words and just get it for free, please. Now here's the interview. I think the epiphany, what always gets people like as involved as we have been with independent music is... Once you start to notice that it's like, like, for one, this is doable, like, as far as either playing in a band or, like, participating, mm-hmm. and then feeling like, oh, like, there's a, there's a, like, a scene, you yeah. know, there's people that come to this regularly, yeah. and I can be part of that. And, like, that's when it's just like, oh, it opens up. <laughs> yeah. And so, the first attempts of you starting trying to get a band together, did you always, were you, like... I want to sing, like had that. No, I just wanted to play guitar. Right. You've always, you've always struck me just in the, you know, in watching you play over the years. It's one of those things where it's like, you're comfortable on stage. Like there's no disputing that. Yeah. Um, but for lack of a better term, like a reluctant front man where you're like, oh yeah, like, you know, I can get up here and I can do this and it's enjoyable for me. And like, especially just like, you know, when you first started, it was like, it was definitely like, you know, I'm getting my feet wet. I'm kind of seeing where things are at. Like I I did, this wasn't my first choice of like, God, I can't wait to sing for a band. Singing sucks, man. It's, It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. It, it, whether you're singing, whether you're screaming, whatever it is, it's yeah. just it's. Oh, it's screaming too. Like unless you're inward singing, inward inward right. screaming, like a lot right. of bands <gasps> do now. Yeah. Oh, dude, that's the worst. <laughs> I, I I distinctly remember, and I won't name the band because uh, they, they, it's a friend of mine. But I was recording, and the guy that was doing the stuff for us, he, I always was very loud. And he, was, he would always be like, oh, he had the settings from the last band that was in there. And he was like, dude, do you want to hear how quiet they are? Like, And so he showed me, and I'm like, huh. because, because the inward scream is totally yeah. just like, eh. it's like, 
don't. It's it's so quiet. Like when you're actually yelling, where it's just like, oh, it's outwardly projecting, yeah. and it's just like I remember him playing it for me and just being like, what people do that? That's yeah. crazy because it works for them because yeah. they don't need to worry about like you know playing a crappy you know whatever fifty person mm. PA system. It's like no, they're like they're they're in a place where they can make sure they sound really good. Mm. <laughs> so singing was never was never part of the plan originally. No, not originally. Yeah, yeah, but I did always sing, but I. Um, but originally I just wanted to play guitar. Right. I presume you had a guitar throughout the I did. I had of... like a Series 10 with like stickers all over it. Of course, stuff, yeah, yeah. You know, and like a Gorilla amp. <laughs> a little mini amp. And I, lo- I love... It's all like farty sounding. <laughs> you know? And I had a grunge pedal too. Oh, of course. You gotta have, yeah. yeah. Grunge, metal zone, whatever. Like, <laughs> metal e- zone, yeah. Either, either one of those is like completely a starter kit. Mm-hmm. And then I always love it how you have to, like, you put every sticker you've ever had on it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's bands, you're just like, I'm not that into it, but yeah. it's a sticker. Uh-huh. I don't know where else it's gonna go. Didn't you didn't snip this? The strings at the top and totally. You know. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> and the uh, so what, what, your first attempt at putting together a band? What was that? That was kind of was that the stuff that you and Ian were doing? Pri- like pri- okay, mm-hmm. that, this was Ian wasn't until later. Yeah, it was probably Rich and myself, uh-huh. my older friend. We would sure. hang out in his room and he would have a guitar and I'd have a guitar and we'd sure. hash out like weird songs and stuff but we didn't have a drummer or anything right 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 so that never panned out and then like after him my friend joe who i i still in, in contact with some once in a while but right um, he wanted to start a hardcore band okay so i played guitar in his hardcore band okay was that and that w- and we played one show at a coffee shop perfect that's what that was that's my it. next question where it was like well, that was and your I, first live but shows. he the, his he had already had the band started oh okay so they they had played like maybe Maybe two shows or something. Okay. Um, and then you were able to kind of plug in as the second I, guitarist. As second guitarist, Perfect. and I only could remember three songs. So at the coffee shop, I played like three songs and like got off stage. <laughs> I do. I love how that how that stuff was normal. Like <laughs> like just the idea of being like. I remember, like, in my first band, Taken, where it was like, we would have the drummer and guitarist switch occasionally, yeah. because one knew how to play, and we're like, who does that? No <laughs> one, no one, quote-unquote, professional does that. It was, it was, uh, I, it was probably already a band, but it was X, Unfaulted X was our name. Oh, that's spectacular. <laughs> spectacular straight edge. I presume straight edge, yeah, right? Yeah, we were at yeah, the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> right, right. I think you're the only one I know that's, you and Chad are the only two straight edge. <laughs> we are, uh. We're definitely a dying breed. It is not yeah, a... Uh, especially edge. especially once you've reached, I think, 30 plus, that's yeah. when you're just like, whew, it's, it's, lo- it's lonely up here. <laughs> no, that's not true. That, Toby from H2O. That, no, true. Yeah, there, there, are always, there are always exceptions, but yeah. it's definitely like, yeah, you feel... I think it's around... People obviously always cite 21 as being a huge drop-off. I believe that it's like, it's the 22 to 24 range that I see kids where it's like, that's when, you know, you, for all intent and purposes, you start to feel like an adult where it's like, oh, I'm either out of college and like, I got mm-hmm. a job and like, that's when it's like real life comes at you and you're just kind of like, oh, I run a cope, like, what? I gotta do these other things or whatever. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely an interesting thing to kind of try to trace where it's like, oh, I, you know, like, oh, I can see why that person did that because, yeah. you know, they had five terrible deaths in the family. Oh, that's that's an awful thing to experience. Yeah. And so but, but the moment you played second guitar, it was like like this is this is great. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Were you interested in like studies in high school? Like were you like, yeah. "Oh, I can't wait to go to college." Like, I was a fair like fair. Yeah, yeah. I like didn't, you know, I did what I had to do to, to like make it through. Sure. But I wasn't like, I want to get an A+ plus tomorrow. Can't. Test. <laughs> I, I kind of like studied like the morning of kind of thing, and sure, I would scrape by. Right? Did you have? I had B's and C's. Okay. Did you have ambitions to like attend college and everything like that? Um. Or did did you actually attend college? Yeah, I went to art institute. Oh, really? For like a semester. Okay. <laughs> and I went to Broward Community College for a semester. Okay. And I think that was just more of like because I felt I had to. Sure, sure. But art art yeah. institute. I mean, that's kind of a, yeah. That was like a commitment. I went and got like loans and everything, and right, you know. And what what were you trying to study there? I was going for like game des- like video like video games. Oh wow, and stuff. Interesting. Yeah. You a bit you were a big a uh, video game dude. Yeah. Like in wh- where was your first system? Where what was your uh, what was your well, introductory points? My first system was because I was like I couldn't afford a Nintendo. Like my parents got me a Sega Master System. Oh, it's great. And I, I know if I had that thing now, I'd be so stoked. So such Alex Kid and Miracle World and like so good all those games. Yep, yep, for sure. Um, yeah, so that was my first one, and then, uh, and then from there, I, I was able to, my grandparents, had, when Super Nintendo came out, 
they had it at their house for all, like the little cousins uh, all the kids to play but i was the sure. oldest one right and not, they were all my cousins were too young to even oh yeah re- yeah. really play it especially those introductory games like yeah. not too long ago i played pilot wings yeah that game holds up yeah like and you could totally even see the where super mario world 100 like, so good but anyway like they they they're too young they couldn't they were too young, so my grandparents let me take the super nintendo home with me huge and then yeah oh yeah was like, like first, I, great I, move. I yeah. didn't even get. I didn't even have the original Nintendo uh-huh. until like uh, as until I was an adult. Right. Like where I found it on eBay with like a hundred games for sure. sixty bucks. <laughs> right, right, right. I'm gonna so, relive my childhood. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we still have it. And, and, but um, so yeah. So I like made the jump from Master System to Super Nintendo. Got it. Got it. But that's it. Was, so that, but that's cool. But you were so you were heavily influenced by the fact that you saw that there were there was a way to build these video games and you wanted to kind of be a part of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because when I started Art Institute, it was right when um, PlayStation... Okay, yeah. It was PlayStation, the first one, and, um, sure. you know, I was way into that. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Sega Dreamcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. And playing... Uh, <clears throat> what was that game we always play? I never had Dreamcast. That was one of the only consoles I didn't have. I do Power Stone. Really? So good. Okay, yeah. Never played that. So it was like a fighting game, like multiplayer, like Smash Brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Super fun. I definitely always... I always found myself investing in the video game systems that failed, especially like Sega CD. Do you ever remember Sega uh-huh. CD? Yeah. Like... Super just, Shark and stuff. Dude, and there was, yeah, there was a game called Night Trap. Still yeah. one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah. Like, so controversial at the time. But it's like... They made I th- probably less than 100 games for it. And yeah. then you could see, I just saw the writing on the wall of just being like, oh, Mom, I'm sorry I made you buy this for like $400. Have you ever, um, with Sega Genesis, did you ever play Technocop? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like pretty brutal Great. for the time. Totally like, brutal. Shooting, like you can accidentally kill kids and stuff. Yeah, and, like, totally. Like, <laughs> yeah, crazy. not And I, remember, <clears throat> I definitely remember always wanting a TurboGrafx-16 uh-huh. uh, just for Splatterhouse. Yep. Just because I was like, oh, dude. I had it. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and at that time, so brutal. Yep. I had Splatterhouse and Bonk's Revenge. And oh, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Spectacular. I wish I can still get those. You I know. Some can get ROMs, probably. I know. that. Yeah, yeah. You could probably play it on your computer, but definitely never. Not any cartridges or anything like that. Um, they were credit cards, like little. I know, they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. As you started, so, I mean, playing in your first quote unquote serious band, was that the stuff that you were doing with Ian, like towards the end of high school? And sort yeah, of, but okay. it, we never played shows. It, like, that had. that. I was in a band with, with some other. With, with Steve Klein, yep. um, which we never played shows either. We were just played shows and we played in the garage. Okay, know? yeah, yeah. We were called Fallview. Okay, we were an emo band. Oh, that that name is perfect for yeah. a band like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and our drummer like played it was all spazzy. He, didn't, he wasn't a good drummer, and he sure. had, he was he had a lot of his parents had money, and mm-hmm. so I would play his Les Paul all the time. <clears throat> and this was right around the same time I met Ian. Right, Ian was already out of high school and stuff. Okay, and um, I remember. Breaking Shane's his name was Shane. The yeah, drummer. I broke the guitar, I fell over, Oof. I tripped on the cable. It was on the guitar stand. Tripped, on, you know, pulled the. Sure. I fell, the neck broke and stuff, and then like I didn't talk to him ever again. <laughs> That's amazing. So, that, that I just exited his life. Yeah, yeah. So and then Steve was like really mad at me. Like Steve was didn't talk to me for a long time. I'm sure. And then he found out I joined Ian's band, Inner City Kids. Okay. And Steve was like not happening right. so then so there were, there was there was some tension there yeah so then inner city kids needed a new guitar player because mikey c left the band okay and i was like hey and me and steve started being, talking again and becoming friends or whatever we became friends at like a, right. a, someone's party sure and i was like hey what about my friend steve so he's like yeah sure let, let's try him out right right <laughs> let's have a try yeah let's audition yeah, yeah I, lo- I love the audition yeah. idea yeah where it's like we're not professional enough to be calling this an audition. Yeah. This is just like, let's show up and see if we get along. Yeah. <laughs> but you, what do you call that? So Steve came out and came to Ian's house, and uh-huh. Ian and had Steve come over, and the first thing Ian says, hey, you know, whatever you do, when you go in my room or whatever, just don't play my guitar. Don't touch my guitar. That's the first thing Steve does. I love that. He's like, the guitar. yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so from then on, then, you know, yeah, they had like this, like, but it has. But it has. But he was in the band, and then and then it obviously became what it is. Now. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That it, like just don't do that. Immediately goes and does that. My favorite, though, before that, I was friends with a couple guys from As Friends Rust. Oh sure. And and so I was friends with Henry and and. Uh, uh, Damien. Not Damien. Okay. I just knew Damien. Like through going to shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wasn't friends with him. Right. 
but um, it was me and our our guitar tech, who became later became our guitar tech, Steve Looker. Steve Looker, yeah. Um, Steve was friends with Henry and all the Astro Dress guys and stuff, and we had started a little bedroom band together. Oh, okay. And I was like, I was like, man, I wish those songs could have. That those would exist. Because like I was already singing in Newfound Glory, but we were still a local band. Sure. But then I was becoming friends with all these other cool bands and stuff, and right. We we did like fast like lifetime style songs. Oh really, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, I wish you, you, those Rooker are. was playing guitar, and Henry instead of guitar was playing drums, and yeah, it was cool. Sounds like a fun thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never turned into right. Ever, <clears throat> as in a lot of those things where yeah. it's like, oh yeah, that would be fun to play. And then mm -hmm. it, if you actually get to the playing stage, that's when it's like you've already felt like you've accomplished something. Yeah. you're like, wow, we got all this in the same room, and this is happening. Yeah. I definitely remember um, when Newfound Glory started to tour and started to, you know, like you said, exist in a larger world. At the time, the idea of like, you know, like. A, bidding wars and like bands getting hot like that was still a relatively new new idea because i mean bands prior to you guys obviously it's like you know once the whole like get up kids and promise ring like mm -hmm. once that was like you know oh, fuck, get up kids are in, like teen vogue and you're just like what that doesn't yeah. make sense yeah but then i definitely feel like you guys were just like you know you were right behind that in the sense of that a lot of people started to pay attention to like like oh like the newfound glory can be a commercially viable product, especially mm -hmm. like from the sense of like, you know, once drive through obviously picked you guys up and started to, you know, yeah. push you guys out there. When for you, did it feel like, cause I'm sure all, all along the process, you were just like, this is weird. I don't understand this. Like when for you, did it become like, you know, kind of a, a real thing as far as like, wow, this is going to be the next foreseeable future for me. Um, or whether it was just like, I I'm, think it, I think for it was definitely with when drive through came in into the picture. Yeah. Cause we, we had, our records, you know, we had the Fiddler Records EP. Right. And, you know, she helped us out with stuff in the of beginning, course. Amy. And then John Wiley, when he owned Eulogy. Yeah. He put out Nothing Old Could Stay. I got I got that OG pressing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's only like 2,000 press. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, e that's eBay gold eventually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't until drive through that really, like, when they... They came to see us play a pool party in Florida. Okay. And a skate park. So it came to two shows because they heard they got our Nothing Old Could Stay record from Midtown. Right. They're like, you guys have to listen to this, whatever. So they came to see us play in Florida, and I think it wasn't until then where we really were like, wow, this could actually be something. Like, they're a real label. Right. I never had heard of them. I just knew about Phoenix TX because of... Right. They were opening for Blink a bunch. Of course. Stuff, right, 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 right. And I'm still from... Willie's one of my best friends, like, mm. the singer. Sure even now so right today and so that's the only thing i knew of, of drive through and um i knew they were like a west they were on the, they were in california and yeah like, you're like weird florida this is weird yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so they came out and they're like you know if you guys want to make this happen like you got to get go on tour and we'll, we'll help you guys out with a van and this and that and we're, and we're like wow so we how, were all how, still yeah how old were you at the time like when that was early 2000s so you 2000 yeah yeah, yeah. so you're no yeah, early 2000. Yeah, yeah, because you were like 20. So, yeah, in your tw most of you were in your 20s. Yeah, or, 99, I mean, 2000. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we all had we had a meeting, all the parents and, and Richard and Stephanie. Really? In my living room. And I remember Ian's dad was like, <clears throat> if you if you go if you leave and you don't go to, to school or whatever, he said, he's like, right. I'm taking your fucking car away. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Yeah. And Cyrus, our drummer, had like a full ride to the University of Miami, like scholarship, because oh. his dad... You know, was uh, certain was big in the medical field there. Sure, sure. So we were like putting a lot of things that on the on oh, the line for the band. Right, right. And my parents were kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever you think, if you can, you know. Sure. It was more like, yeah, try it out, see what happens, kind of thing. Right, right. Because you can always go back to school. Of course. And Chad's Chad's mom was, you know, obviously down because shyhalud already and sure she had seen like oh i get because yeah. i i think she kind of got it right i think that's the most difficult thing for parents to understand is like like what what do you what do you mean you're stopping to do this thing to do this like what, i always love the question of just like well how successful can this be yeah. like how how big can this be really and, and like those were the questions from our parents like sure yeah. And because I mean, for them, them, they're looking at like, you know, the Rolling Stones and like, you know, these massive things. And you're just and all, in all of our collective heads. We're like, we're never going to get there. Yeah. Like, that's never going to be us. Like, <clears throat> but never, yeah, right. But then you have then you have to like, there's no way that you could be like, oh, the, you know, whatever the biggest band in your head where it's just like, oh, yeah. Like uh, you've heard of Blink-182, right, mom? No, of course yeah. not. <laughs> like they, that doesn't make any sense. Especially to them either. Not then. No. And they're like, <laughs> so you're, you're trying to have this serious like future conversation where it's just like you have no idea what i'm talking about at all mm -hmm. 
<clears throat> and to put that on hold to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I think Richard and Stephanie did a fine job of convincing. Yeah. And then and that was at the time where they were doing their whole deal with MCA records and stuff. Right, right. So there was a potential future in it, you know? Right. Um, yeah, there's multiple people investing in this thing, yeah. in, in the label, and then in turn, obviously, you guys. Yeah. When yeah. Uh, during that during that process, when I mean obviously after, and then you know once once the self titled record came, and because I'm sure it's like I, I don't care who you are during that process, it will seem you'll seem you'll you'll feel disconnected. Mm-hmm. You'll feel like you're a part of this this for lack of a better term machine. Like you know when did you at that point or during any juncture where it's like you felt you know like you were kind of going through the motions and it felt just weird and surreal you know and like it doesn't even have to be in a bad sense but just like you know in it, within that journey where it was well, like I think definitely once we got signed on the label we were having all these people coming out to our shows like all the label people right from from MCA sure so we were meeting this person and this, this is your marketing guy and this is this guy and this is that guy and it was like this is crazy like right you know, I, I still live at home right now. Like, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Let me pull the curtain back. Let yeah. me show you what I got back here. Yeah, we were playing in New York City, and I remember, like, signing our upstream deal to MCA when we, right. for the self-titled. And right. After, like, sitting, I think it was Irving Platt or Bowery Ballroom or something okay. in New York City. Sure. In, like, this dark, like, upstairs, like, the bar area. We didn't have a manager yet. I was gonna say because like, you guys navigated all this on your own, yeah. Which that's hard. We didn't get the manager until I think the, the first MCA. The first MCA, release. yeah. After it, right after, yeah. Because yeah. I remember like Gary Ashley, who was our A&R guy for that record. Mm-hmm. Um, was talking to Rick DeVoe. Okay. He's like, you gotta watch this band and blah blah blah. So, so yeah. But yeah. So we we were doing it all on our own until that point, which I'm sure is extremely. I mean, like that was probably extremely stressful. Yeah. Yeah. But we had, you know, Andrew Ellis, our booking agent. Yeah. Who still is. Right. Um, he was kind of like our acting manager at the time. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So he kind of had like a lawyer buddy come and like read things over and right you know, we yeah had, you, we you weren't people. in the wild but it was no. definitely still like a lot of external things yeah. coming on you at once for sure and so um the uh what I, what i find interesting too and obviously the the you know your career arc as it were um is because obviously pop punk has gone through so many different renaissances and you know highs and lows but essentially, it, sh- it it is you know defined by the fact that it's like this is music that you should get into when you're young, and at at some point you should eventually grow out of. Mm. Like that's the, that's just the you know general conception of what it should be. Um, and so it's it, you know it's funny for you guys existing in what you've had to where it's like, well we're we still feel passion for this music and obviously still enjoy it. But, you know, askew that convention with other people being like, oh, yeah, like, oh, that's cute. Newfound Glory. Yeah, I remember them. That was that was cute. That's cute you're still doing that. And, I, and people, like, love to come and say that, like... Totally. Oh, we used to listen to you guys so much in high school. I used to get so much ask when I played your records for chicks. And it's like, dude, well... And I'm always just like, well, I'm glad I could still make you feel young, you know? like <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, is that... I, I presume, like, especially people that are older, like, that... You're, you, for lack of a better term, you're a nostalgia act. Not in a way like a nostalgia act that like tours, you know, county fairs or something right. like that. But people are coming, you know, you have your audience that obviously is interested, that has just got into you. And then you have mm-hmm. your mixture of people who are just, you know, going to see you guys based on nostalgia based reasons. Um, and so, like, for you, for you yourself, the, where does, where does most, of the, most of the enjoyment kind of come from now from creating this type of stuff? I think it's definitely for, it's definitely seeing the new faces yeah. in the young seeing it's not all older people at our shows like right. chilling drinking beer sure like it's still we still have crazy shows and it's all young kids wearing story so far shirts and wearing right man overboard shirts and wonder years and like all that stuff and like sure. we've been able to stay relevant because we i i think mm-hmm. is because we are still like just normal dudes yeah, and we started when we were young, so we're still young. Yeah, ish. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> um, you know, we're but, but we've been around a long time. Right, right, right. But we're still like, you know, and the fact that we I, when we tour, we try to bring fresh new bands and stuff that, you know, right. I don't know. I think it's. I, I definitely feel really lucky because we're. I definitely don't feel that 
when I go on tour, oh man, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Like, right. Which know. is good. I mean, because that, well, it's good that you actually ask yourself that question because yeah. it's like you do arrive at a point where once you've done something for a long period of time, there comes that conversation in your own head where it's just like, I feel like, you, you know, like shake it up or reinvent yourself or whatever. Like you always have that feeling. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's good that you actually ask yourself that question because a lot of people, I think, you know, they, they don't. Yeah. And they end up doing something, especially from a musical outlet perspective, or it's something that, you know, I mean, writing songs as you do it for so long, especially in the context of what you're doing, it, you know, it gets easier. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're challenging yourself, obviously, yeah. but, you know, you're like, okay, like, I, we can put we, this together. We try to make every record right. different and still stick to what our fans want from us. Of course, right. You know, so we're always struggling internally, like... Right. Oh man, I really want to. I wish we could really challenge them. Like, yeah, completely. But, like, throw all conventions well, aside. And we have though. Like, right. We had our record coming home. Coming home. Yeah, yeah. That bummed a lot of people out. It <laughs> bummed a lot of people out then. And, then. But now everybody's like, oh, that's my favorite record. Why don't they do that again? Of course. Everything now right. is like all about coming home. And it's like, <clears throat> well, where were you when that record came out? Of course. Like, that's my favorite record. Totally. You know. And I think that <clears throat> if, if I think if it was recepted received better right um, i think we would have maybe expanded on that of course but it wasn't and, and at the time you're like oh well shit this this is our favorite record and no one cares really right so let's just go back to <clears throat> let's just go back to the roots and just like have fun and not care of course and not have to worry about like trying to reinvent ourselves or whatever and, right like, but still not sound ever sounding the same of course like, you know right. what I'm saying? I, yeah yeah I mean, as an individual, it's different <clears throat> than obviously from a band perspective because it's like, yeah, you definitely have to push yourself, but not to the point of where it's like, like you said, you're you're completely alienated because no no band sets out with the idea. It's like, oh, I mean, some bands do. Yeah. Like, I can't wait to bum out the kids that got into us in our first record. Yeah, I can name like five <coughs> right now that do that right. purposely. Yeah, yeah. Um, which you know they may have more clout within their musical scene, so to speak, yeah. or whatever. But yeah, your your points well taken. Where it's like, do you remember that you were a pop <clears throat> punk band? Okay, right. Which is true, <laughs> and I mean that's it's like there is <clears throat> there is a lot of that. Or do you remember that you were in a pop punk band? That's how you started, right? Before you were in this big indie rock band. Of no, course. I'm not gonna name names. No, no, no. I, <laughs> there's definitely, and I think that's obviously what attracts people that are you know whatever. 25 plus they look at what newfound glory is and obviously all the individuals that comprise that band and be like oh like they're they haven't you know changed their spot so to speak it's like like you said you know you're you're obviously just an older version of yourself like yeah. but you know you, you haven't turned your back on anything like there's been no you know like huge like oh yeah i remember i remember when we did that we're not doing that ever again or whatever because right. there is that and I think that's like the whole growing out of pop punk where it's like it does frustrate, I mean, especially a, just like a music fan where it's like you can't look at what you listened to when you were 15, 16, 17 years old and be like, that's stupid. Like yeah. that, I just feel like that's just like it's so short sighted. It's yeah. like, well, that made you listen to what you're listening to now. Exactly. Like you can't, when you disavow that, you're like, you know, trying to erase history. And that's, that's dumb. <laughs> like no one could do that. <laughs> that's just dumb. Yeah, it's just dumb. I, I will go on record saying that's just dumb. <laughs> this is it's a very random question, but something that uh, I've, I've personally always been conscious of every time I've played in front of, of audiences. The shirt you wear, especially from a frontman perspective, you always wear good shirts. I've noticed in the sense of when I define good shirts in the sense of like, you um, you know, it's easy for you to throw on a shirt of, you know, a said band you're on tour with or band that is, like, extremely relevant right now. Yeah. But, you know, like you joked around mentioning Zoinks earlier, where it's just like, because I define you as a nerd and this is just self, like, I'm, I'm putting this on you. But it seems that you're, you're conscious about that decision, about what you wear. Like, the shirts that you're, like, putting out there to kids being like, you know, the four kids that are looking at being like... Oh wow! Like Jordan's wearing that. What is that band? Like, yeah. I don't, like so. I presume that 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 goes. Does that thought go through your head? It definitely does. Okay. I, mean, I want to like represent the bands that I loved growing up and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Right. You know, and and also too like when I, especially like if I'm on tour with a band and I and I like that band. Right. I want to. Yeah, know, yeah. Support. Support. You know. And right. So so the, I definitely like think about it. You know, I'm not too hard. Yeah, I have yeah. like the same. I have my tour shirts, which is the same four shirts, and they rotate, so they get like the, yeah, the you, white. Right. The, the pits are ter- like I've washed them so much, and they just the pit smell does not come out. Yeah, it's just that's it. And it's a rotating like four or five shirts. Okay. Um, and they because I hate bringing a huge suitcase with me on tour. Oh, it's the worst. So, I like to bring. <clears> I pack <throat> if I'm leaving for two months. I pack like a week's worth of clothes. Got and then my four. 
Sure. Your staples. Stage shirts and right. then my two like stage pants. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I just do laundry. As a fellow nerd who has put thought into this where I'm just like, <laughs> okay, like I am playing in front of this audience, like, how about I wear a neurosis t shirt? Just like they're like, What is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's that I, I feel like to me when people do that, I believe that they like they truly do care about like I guess for lack of a better term, like advancing the, you know, uh, independent music genre as a whole because yeah. it's like for the, like I said, for the ten kids that are at your, you know, whatever seven, eight, seven or eight hundred person show that are going to like take the time to be like, I wonder what that is. I'm going to look this up on Google, and whether or not they actually like it, they'll still be exposed to it. Yeah, and I think that's great. Yeah. Tattooing is obviously a huge part of your life now, and that's when. When did that sort of kind of you know manifest itself? Um, probably t- it's been about two or three years. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've always you've wanted... always, right, and you've had tattoos, obviously. For... Yeah, and I've always wanted to learn how to do it, and I just never had the opportunity to. And then the opportunity came along a couple of years ago. Yeah, where I met who's a great friend now. His name's Ian White. Mm-hmm. He's in Nashville, and um, he was originally from Ohio, and he was on tour with. He used to tattoo the Hawthorne Heights guys, and oh sure, I had met him briefly on their bus on Warp Tour once. Okay, and you know, talked for a couple minutes. You know. It yeah, wasn't yeah. Like a, long a tour interaction, yeah. right, right. <clears throat> and then several years later, he was on tour with Bayside when they were opening up for us on a tour. Okay. And he was tattooing a couple of the guys on their bus, and he was on tour for a few days. Sure. And he tattooed me, and we were talking, and I'm like, man, I've always wanted to learn. And, you know, he knew that I did a lot of his you know, art and stuff and right. done a lot of my band's T-shirts and, you know, whatever. Right. And so... Uh, I started talking to him, like, man, I would, I would love to learn. And he's like, well, if you ever want to, I'm moving to Nashville, and if you ever want to come out and, you know, whatever, I'll yeah. teach you. I was like, yeah. So I took that opportunity, and uh, the first kind of lessons he gave me was he flew out to San Diego, uh-huh. stayed with me for a couple weeks, and I think I tattooed him in my ha- in my kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Like, He's like, all right, I'm gonna show you the, the few basic things, and then you <clears throat> tattoo me. Yeah, yeah. Not, not even yeah. throwing you into an orange. Nope. Just, just, just yeah. go on me. Yeah. And he has like a portrait of me, like, of a, like a drawing that I did, like on his shoulder. That's amazing. Yeah, and I did a little coffee cup on it, like his arm. And stuff. Okay, but perfect. Things like that, and then, and then from there, it kind of turned into this back and forth thing where I'd go to Nashville for a few weeks, and got it. So it was never really consistent up until last year. Yeah. Moved the whole family to to Nashville right helped Ian we, he was at a really amazing shop called Black 13 which mm-hmm. is like hugely popular sure and he was there and then left to do his own thing okay so I was learning at Black 13 sure and drawing there and talking to the other t- artists there and hanging out and then um and when he went to open his own place um we made the move out there and helped him open the new place got it got it so I was like definitely I was a the apprentice for a year right you know i painted the whole place like yeah, yeah. but it was like this it wasn't the typical because i hear horror stories of of course artists that were apprenticed and like their the person that was teaching them like just treated them like shit of course yeah you apprentice for like three years and they're just like i didn't i didn't even learn yeah, anything like, yeah like like ta- like just give me my ink that's it yeah right. yeah or tattooing like somebody and then like it's a sweaty girl and like licking the sweat off the seat like like that kind of stuff oh like, yeah Ian never made me do that. Right. And I respect him more because of that. Of course. I mean, that's like hazing. And that's like... Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure a lot of those old school guys would be like, well, that wasn't an apprenticeship then because you have to like... Yeah. Eat dog shit shit and whatever. Like, what what does that have to do with tattooing? (laughs) Nothing. Right. Ian's a great guy and... Yeah. So, yeah. And is is that something that you foresee yourself like transitioning into as far as just like well this is something you can do obviously you know for years and years to come as opposed yeah. to just like oh like the band the band is my sole identity yeah like so well you, it is i mean it, it is it, i mean it is but obviously you can express yourself even if i don't want it to be it is right 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 uh, <laughs> i mean like the people that get tattooed for you right now i mean by you right now yeah. i mean it's solely like do you find it's 90 percent of people that know yeah that? okay yeah which is great you know and they because of obviously social media yeah of course instagram and twitter and stuff and people know that i've been learning and you know i have a certain t- style of, of tattoo that i like to do and sure. stuff so it's not for everybody right um but yeah it's and, and then but it's been awesome because it's been helped it's helped me even if it's from the band, like right. because they know the band, of course, and they want like newfound glory lyrics, right? With like some weird creature, right? Like it's still allowing me to practice and, of course, you know, keep it going. And you know, we're trying to open up a shop here, right? 
So, you know. Yeah, but that, yeah, that's that's something that obviously like you can, you know, feel yourself pivoting into. Yeah. In the future as opposed mm-hmm. to just like you said where it's like, okay, well, you yeah, Glory breaks up next year where it's like, well, what do I what do I do with my creative outlet? <laughs> like I've got nothing. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely self-conscious about, you know, cuz there's guys that like Ian yep. who taught me. He didn't open his own place till after he's been tattooing for 10 years. Right. And I always have this like battle where it's like should I be really trying to open a shop? Right. When I've only been tattooing for not even two years. Like, <clears throat> right. And then I, but then I talk to my close friends like Ian or like Tim, who I was just with in Arizona at right. his shop and stuff. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, you should do it. Like what you want to do. And right. he's like, and as soon as you need hands to help you build walls, I'll be down there to help you. Like, yeah. 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 And the that's support. And, right, that, right. and that's what I love about the, you know, the guys that I ended up aligning myself with, with, with yeah. the tattoo, in the tattoo world. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, cool. yeah. It feel, I mean, yeah, again, it, it, it's, just, it's akin to obviously independent music where it's like you feel like, you know, there's a support system. There's something that exists there where it's like you plug yourself into and you're like, oh, this is great. This yeah. feels this feels very familiar. Yeah. Um, and last sort of thing that I wanted to hit on was the, um, you know, the, the idea of obviously, you know, like you mentioned earlier, obviously being a father and like having these these two diametrically opposed worlds. Because like, I mean, people that have never toured don't understand the concept of like, you know, when you come home from tour, you you know, this, like, my wife always jokes around where it's, like, when I was touring regularly where she's, like, I'm going to give you, like, a two- or three-day buffer. Yeah. Like, for you to come home. I get home. a buffer, usually. Right. And it's, like, the... But I dive right in, man. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, Like, I love being home. Yeah. You know, I, you know, tour's great, too. Of but course. But I miss the family. I'm, I don't know if you were finished with your... Yeah, no, 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 no. It's a, No, but, I mean, you're... you're, you're that, that's <laughs> that's exactly what I do. I start you off on something and you go with it. But, no, that's perfect. But I can... I, Mandy commends me because I dive right into being into dad mode right and husband mode and stuff and and we try our best on tour you know it's hard yeah it's very hard. hard to I miss the kids like crazy and stuff and miss Mandy and everything and we you know we we have Skype and stuff but it's not the same right of course but they'll come and visit and they come and visit once in a while here and there right on when tour. they can but yeah I like I just dive right in right right I mean obviously it feels right from a, a father perspective but do you ever do you have the desire to be like I'd like to not tour. And not even from just like a, you know, dickish, like, oh, whatever. Like, I can't wait to not play in a band. Yeah, but yeah. just like, I would like to not spend that much time on the road. Yeah. Okay. I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure I could speak for the other guys in my band that have kids. Sure. I mean, even if they, I even I bet it, even if they wouldn't say it out loud. Right. Because they have to portray whatever they want to portray. Of like, course, of course. I know that they're thinking it. Right. Well, cause because I, we I, talk about it. Right, right. Like, <laughs> right, right. I know they think about that because we've had those discussions yeah. before. Yeah, yeah. Well, because there's definitely like... But they know it's like this is like our livelihood and like why we have the things we have and why we're able to, you know, right. all it, that stuff. Right. It affords... I mean, because... It's it, a double-edged sword. Totally. It affords you... It affords you the freedom that you obviously have when you are not on tour and when you're not in a creative process. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're just like, well, that, that's also immediately torn away from me when I have to go out for, you know, two, three months out of yeah. a year or two, two, for two or three months at a time. And it's like, yeah, there's definitely. It, but then it's like you think about it and you're like, oh, well, it's only two months. Right. And because when I'm home, I'm, ho- I'm home all day. Right, right. 24 seven. Right, right. Yeah. I, I am available from this perspective. Yeah. Well, I feel spectacular about this. Do you do you, do you feel like we've we've covered all all, all your bases, so yeah. to speak? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> well, I appreciate you uh, spending the time and hanging out. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so there was Jordan. There he was. There he is. He will forever live in your head after you've listened to this interview. But uh, yeah, I'd like to thank him and my good friend Mandy for inviting me over to their house and meeting their cute kids and all that other fun stuff. Visit the website, 100wordspodcast.com. Visit propertyofzack.com. I didn't plug them at the beginning, but they're cool. They're fine with it. Just visit them. Everybody will be happy. And I can tell when you visit them, okay? I get like an email notification. The editor, as always, is Tom Richfield. And I've got some other amazing guests coming up. I'll give you a little tease. We have Next week, we have Ross from Ceremony on the show. And then we have Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids and a bunch of other fun stuff. So subscribe. Party into the future. All right? Be safe until next week. Bye, everybody.